0: Dear Focus Falcha, my name is Will Fitzgerald, and this is the Galway Film Podcast. Uh, I'm joined today by director Paul Duan whose latest film, uh, Best Before Death, uh, has its Irish premiere here at the Galway Film Flower. Paul, thanks for talking to us.
1: Very happy to be here, Will.
0: Glad you're here. Um, tell us about The Dock. Um, it's a companion piece, uh, you were saying kind of, <laughs> to an earlier film?
1: Um, well, not, necess- not, not not as such. I mean, I've made two films featuring Bill Drummond, but uh, this one is focused exclusively on Bill's art and his, uh, his world tour, his 12-year world tour, which he expects to take him the rest of his life. Um, and the reason, I think, that Bill allowed me to make this film, because he has said no to practically every documentary request and he doesn't do interviews... Uh, the reason he, he let me do it was because I said I'm not going to cover your previous history, in the KLF, you know, burning a million pounds in a boathouse on the Isle of Jura in 1993, all of that stuff. I don't. It's not within the remit of what I want to do, and that's more or less why he let me make the film. And then, as we were making it, the opportunity came up to make a different film about himself and Jimmy Cauty, the other half of the band, the KLF, that he had formed in the '90s, in the late '80s because they were getting back into action after 23 years so I ended up making a different film which also involves Bill but uh, it's quite a different thing and he particularly doesn't want them to be seen as counterparts because he feels his life and work is very separate from his work with the KLF so it's kind of a I have to be I have to be careful about that one. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so there are two films with death in the title coming out in the same year, both featuring Bill Drummond, but they're completely separate.
0: <laughs> That's fair. Um, and you, you said as actually, you said to us when we first saw the film that um, he actually doesn't want them screened together at yeah. all. Yeah,
1: he's you know, Bill has spent a long time putting a firewall between himself, his own work, and his previous history with the Justified Ancients of Mumu, the KLF, the Time Lords, all that. And he he preserves that firewall very carefully because he needs to. I mean, you know, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of people who want to identify him very much with that period in his life when he was a pop star, I guess, mm. a musician, you know, selling millions of records and making records with Tammy Wynette and all that. But he himself has moved on. He's 66 years old now and he is... Doing this other form of art, which is very difficult to explain, and which he doesn't even really understand himself, I guess, truth be told, and he needs to preserve the the distance between the two. So that's why the films aren't being shown as a double act. Yeah, that's fair enough, and it's
0: uh, one of the kind of entertaining aspects of it. And and you guys are quite direct about this in the film. Is you know you're trying to make this doc, but he's sort of at the same time. Uh, he, I mean, he's let you in, and and you guys are doing it, but he's kind of actively resisting the whole idea of being documented. At the same time, um, tricky <laughs> for a shoot.
1: Yeah, well, it's 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 kind of fun in the film. It wasn't so much fun in real life, but it wasn't um, as combative as all that. It's just that Bill feels very uncomfortable being filmed. He feels very uncomfortable being um put on camera and ask questions or having to do things on camera and it took quite a while to kind of you know get him to kind of go with the process but as part of editing the film myself and my editor Tony Cranston kind of felt that foregrounding some of Bill's uncom- his discomfort with the process was a good way to kind of explain some things about him yeah and he's one of the few people in i mean given that he's been in the public eye for most of his life he's one of the very few people in that position who genuinely does not want or welcome publicity doesn't like um doesn't want to be on tv doesn't want to be on celebrity big brother or you know uh i'm a celebrity get me out of here although he he does get offered those kind of things it's a shame because he would be brilliant he would be brilliant (laughs) he would be absolutely great and in fact i think he told me once he he he, he's never seen his kids more pissed off with him than when he told them that he turned down celebrity big brother because they were like (laughs) finally we'd have some bragging rights in the playground you know but it's not his style to do that kind of thing
0: yeah yeah. no fair enough that's interesting so like you guys decided to kind of skirt around the issue by foregrounding the fact that he's uncomfortable with this process Um, I mean you've you've made quite a few docs is there have you developed techniques for when you need to get a subject to relax into the whole process of the thing Um, or is it like a case by case type
1: I don't know I mean there's very it's just down to personality I mean The first film I made, I made with with somebody who was intensely uncomfortable being filmed. and took five years of filming constantly to get to the point where I was able to get him to be himself on camera. That was just a wearing down exercise, really. I think I've chosen slightly less um, difficult subjects since then. It's just a constant, I mean, you know, very simple thing. One of the things I really liked was years ago, I was watching... The D.A. Pennebaker film, Don't Look Back, about Bob Dylan, and I had the director's commentary on, and Pennebaker was talking about how he developed his technique for filming because one of the things I always wondered about when I watched documentaries like that, and that was that's a classic film, was how he managed to make it feel like there was no camera in the room. You just watched people interacting, and they didn't seem like they were putting anything on for the camera, and they didn't seem aware of the camera. And he said that he had spent a long time, when he got his camera, he, he spent a long time looking in the mirror and practicing carrying the camera on his shoulder and not having to look through the viewfinder and maintaining eye contact with whoever he was filming. But he would know he had practiced that he he would know what was in the frame. So he, and that was with a big, heavy, you know, 16 mil film camera. So that was something I took to heart because I do think that if you have a camera in front of your face and you're trying to make somebody feel at ease, they're looking into the glass eye of the lens and they're not looking at a human being. And it's Often preferable to try to figure out, you know, how to, if you're filming it, you know, how to have a human connection with the person at the same time as you're filming. And that's that's a very simple but interesting and useful trick, you know?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. And that kind of brings me to uh, Robbie Ryan, who um, you worked with on this film I'm assuming you didn't ask him to carry a camera on his shoulder, or how do? No.
1: <laughs> well, it's I was talking about more if I was shooting it myself, which I have done. Right. But working yeah. with a cameraman, it's a little bit different because you're not. Uh, and you know, I mean, uh, it's largely just about Robbie and you know, Robbie and Bill had met and got on really well and were, you know, sympathical. Robbie's one of the nicest and uh, easiest to get along with people in the film business, which is one of the reasons why he's so successful because everybody wants to work with him because he's great fun but also obviously he's a genius cameraman so yeah i mean you know he he did his he he, it wasn't a case of me saying i want you to do it in any particular style he just the style comes from the location we were filming in calcutta and it's an incredibly busy fast moving crowded noisy place full of things happening coming at you from every angle so that kind of lent itself to robbie's kind of energetic handheld camera work really kind of worked well within that Setting yeah. you know, yeah right,
0: and um you've worked with him before, you, you, oh yeah, you, kind of, you tend to have you have regular collaborators that you like to work with,
1: yeah, I mean, I've worked with Robbie on drama stuff on shorts and various things over the years, and actually going way back even t v factual t v when he was just out of college and stuff, but um, I mean, you know, I mean, I love working with Robbie, but he 's very particular what he does. I just, you know, um, oh, Paddy Jordan, who did the other half of the film, the American half, I work with a lot. Robert Gordon, the producer, I've been working with since 2000. Um, he's here at the FLA as well. And uh, we're working on more projects together. He's an American Memphis-based uh, producer and director who was nominated for an Oscar for his film Best of Enemies and won an Emmy for it. Uh, he's a great guy. and you know, we, Yeah, we keep working together. It's kind of good to have, I mean, I think if somebody keeps moving on and has different crew every time they make a movie... It kind of says something about them maybe sure, it means they're yeah. difficult to it i don't does. know i like to work with the people i get on with and keep coming back to it yeah
0: if it ain't broke don't yeah, fix it. yeah. exactly um so you you <clears throat> said that uh so best before death was actually kind of what you set out to do and then the other doc uh, separately kind of uh i guess when the klf were talking about um getting back together um so so I'm trying to get the, chron- the chronology right. Best Before Death came first?
1: Yeah, well, it was kind of... Uh, we were filming Bill's on a 12-year world tour, which yeah. he started in 2013, I think, or 2012. So I was filming years three and four. The trouble is, after year three in Calcutta, he had to take a year out to do the Justified Ancients of Moo regrouping re- re- or whatever, which was an event called welcome to the dark ages happening in liverpool in 2016 or 17 anyway i can't remember but uh, so he took a year out and he said i'm not going to do the world tour this year so we had to wait until the following year to complete the film because the film was the film is half shot in calcutta in 2016 yeah. and half shot in north carolina and the usa in 2018 and in the middle was 2017 when he took a year out to do the the regrouping of the KLF, the Justified Ancients of Mumu, and that's when the idea came up to do the other film about what they were doing during yeah. that period. So they kind of, I was starting one film before I'd finished the other. If you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And is that? I mean, it seems from the probably from a production standpoint, it might seem like uh, maybe easier, or make a certain kind of sense to be doing um, two films at the same time when it, they they cross over so much, or when there when there is an intersection like that. But probably from a creative standpoint, was it hard? Like, what, what were the challenges, I suppose, is what I'm asking.
1: Um, the challenges were, I, I have a very good working relationship with Bill. Bill is a really, he has very specific ideas about what he wants and he tells you them and it's fine and you work with him. When Bill is working with Jimmy Cauty, who's his partner in the KLF, Justified Angels and Moo Jimmy also has a very particular way of working and the two of them together are exponentially more difficult than <laughs> either of them are separately. So... It was almost impossible to figure out how to make the film because they, it, it's it, you know it was it was just Bill and Jimmy who are absolutely wonderful, creative, genius human beings as people, but when they come together as the KLF, the Justified Ancients of Mumu, they are unbelievably complicated to deal with. Um, so we just kind of, I just put my head down and just kept going, and we got to the end of it, and it was fine, but it was not. It was not simple. Um, they withdrew their involvement in the film on day two of filming. <laughs> right. And and on day the final day of filming, when I said, it's a wrap, we're finished, Jimmy said, oh, I want to be in the film now. So, <laughs> so we did another day's filming where he was involved. But, um, you know, we got a great film despite yeah. that. But it was kind of, it was not a conventional documentary arc, let's just say. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, I, I love them to work with. It's like, more, you know, anybody can be desperate to get on TV or desperate to have a film made about them but it's the people who don't want to have films made about them that are interesting you know? absolutely
0: and that kind of brings me to something I want to ask I, like I'm loath to ask you that awful question you know like where do you get your ideas kind of thing but your docs are so like you how, how do you find these interesting characters um,
1: um well in Bill's case I sent him an email um and you know made the right approach and he got back to me but I don't really know I mean it's just different every time you know you yeah. kind of just um somebody's come to me with an idea about somebody quite well known who has never had a film made about him who lives in the middle of South America um and I'm kind of like really into the idea but you know it's just they brought the person who brought it to me said when I heard about this I thought it sounded like your kind of thing so I suppose you get to a point where people kind of know that you like particular kinds of things and they suggest ideas but it's very rarely happened to me that anybody's brought me an idea. It's very, it's usually just some mad idea I have and chase up. And to be yeah. honest with you, of the films, I've made like six films, but I've started about another 20 that never got finished because they were too difficult or the people yeah. that I was dealing with were too complicated or too, you know, I couldn't get the money or whatever. So you just, whatever, the films you get made are the films you get made. But there's a lot of films that remain unmade, you know. Yeah.
0: And are the unmade ones have like, we're t- still talking like kind of artists on the periphery and... Mm. Characters yeah. that you wouldn't really necessarily know of.
1: Yeah, yeah. I tried to, I spent a lot of time trying to make a film about a guy called Kim Fowley, who was a record producer and a kind of an extraordinarily larger than life and dark and provocative character. I spent some time trying to make a film about a friend of mine called Sebastian Horsley, who was a uh, Soho dandy. Um, recovering drug addict who had been crucified went went to the Philippines and was crucified on Easter as you know sort of as because he wanted to do a painting of a crucifixion I felt that was the best way to do it he died fairly died um, Jim Dickinson the record producer I wanted to make a film about he's dead I just tend to pick people who don't have very wow. healthy lifestyles yeah the <laughs> there's a common thread here <laughs> yeah I sometimes I pick people and they just turn out to be kind of too difficult or can't get the money to make the film or whatever. Fair enough.
0: Yeah. And then, so going back to the stuff then that does be made, I also wanted to ask you about uh, your fiction work.
1: Well, I don't really write fiction. I mean, I've produced um, and co-created some, you know, I was involved in creating the series Secret Diary of a Call Girl, but that mm. was like just, it was fundamentally setting up the premise and the idea and getting the rights to the underlying books and material. Sure. And in the TV series Amber, my, 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 uh, contribution was pro- co-producing it and coming up with a storyline and storylining it with um, with the writer I, I don't really, I'm not a writer um, I don't sit down and write fiction or scripts, you know, I find it very difficult to write, I am actually writing something at the moment which is kind of like a uh, a fictional piece an Irish set fictional piece which is the first for me because I've never made anything set in Ireland really apart from Amber um, but uh, it's it's tricky you know. I, I, documentaries are kind of I kind of moved away from doing drama. I, for the first, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 years of my career, I did exclusively drama and then started doing documentaries and found the challenge of documentary was very um, stimulating. And the thing I find with it is that every time you make a documentary, you you have no template to start from. You're not coming up, You, know, you you've got no, you have to make the documentary from scratch every time because every film has its own rules everybody you're working with has their own patterns their own way of working and you're you're basically starting all over again using your memory bank of material and ideas obviously but you're just having to reinvent the wheel every time i make a doc which is really thrilling you know whereas mm. with drama you know you can fall back on like as a director and doing drama there's you know, there's only so many ways you can do it. You know, a conversation between two people. You know, wide shot, medium shot, two over shoulders. You know, it's going to get pretty boring. And uh, sure. also, you spend all day around actors and film crew who are lovely people, but I like to meet people outside of that world as well. So, making documentaries, I've ended up in all kinds of places I would never have gone otherwise, and met the most interesting and extraordinary people who have never, you know, been around film crews in their lives. And yeah. it just makes my life interesting.
0: Cool. Um, going backwards a bit. Um, you're a fellow Tipperary man. I yes, from Cashel. Are yes. you from Cashel? From Tipperary? I'm from Tipperary. I'm from uh, Killarney. Jesus, that's yeah. only up the road. Not far from Cashel at all. Holy
1: yeah. Sh- yeah. Well, I mean, I haven't really lived there since I was 17. I moved out and went to Dublin when I was 17, and never really went back. But yeah, I was born and brought up in Tipperary. Yeah,
0: I know. Like, I think there's like you and and Tom Ryan, and I think that's about all the film people I know from Tipperary.
1: Yeah, and uh, I was a I was a tour guide on Care Castle when I was a teenager. That's
0: brilliant. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was my first job Jesus
0: and so I know speaking from experience that, that like it's uh, uh, the upbringing there doesn't exactly and you know back in the day didn't exactly lend itself to uh, breaking into a career in, in film and television how did you get into it?
1: I went to art school and then um, I was in Dunleary. I wanted to be a painter and so I did a a year of painting and then they had started this film course and I saw the first year of the film course and they looked like they were having a great time so I just transferred to the film course I kind of got bored of painting couldn't couldn't see myself doing standing in a room by myself for the rest of my life you know Um, so I went and uh, signed up for that and uh, it had a blast and it was me and Kieran J. Walsh who's still who just wrapped his newest feature drama Um, who else was around Robbie was a couple of years behind James Mather Uh, there's a bunch of people who are still in the industry in that kind of era and uh, we just all kind of had a blast I mean it was just it was there was no film industry then I mean if somebody was making a film in Ireland at that time it was like huge news Yeah, any film you know um so it's kind of amazing now when you kind of there are so many films happening you can't keep track of them you know yeah uh, but it was a very different you know at that time as I, as I say to people when I meet young people who are getting into film now I say the challenge then was to actually make a film because getting hold of the materials the camera the negative getting it processed all that kind of stuff was incredibly expensive but if you actually made a film, you could send it all over the world. You could travel with it. Basically, if you made a film, it would get into film festivals because there weren't that many films. Right. Whereas now, it's completely the opposite. Everybody can make a film, and the challenge is to make something that makes people sit up and take notice because you can do it on your phone. So it's a whole, everything's topsy-turvy from when I was starting out. But it's, you know, it's always, everything's always changing.
0: Yeah, no, it's a good way to be, better way to be. Um, so, going from the past to the future, um, what are you working on next? Can you tell us anything?
1: Uh... I've got. I mean, I'm. 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 I'm kind of kicking some ideas around. I'm working with. Um, I made a really good c- connection working on this film. One of my co-producers is uh, Andy Stark of Rook Films. Andy and Ben Wheatley make some of the best films in the UK. I think at the moment, mm. uh, Peter Strickland's *In Fabric*, which is in cinemas at the moment, is absolutely brilliant. Um, Andy's a real film guy i mean he knows his movies inside out he loves making films and he's just a decent human being so we've started working on stuff together developing ideas uh his distribution company anti-worlds is releasing best before death in september across Brilliant. the uk and ireland um so i'll be working on things w- with andy to a degree i'm working on things with robert gordon my memphis-based co-producer as well none of them are really at a stage where i can even really talk about them but they're kind of some documentary stuff, some factual stuff. This is a really boring answer. I'm sorry, but I just don't no, have... no. <laughs> it's just like, good. Yeah, no. I, I hate talking about stuff that I haven't. You know, that's, nothing that's totally down. fair. Yeah, I know. You know, got fingers true. in pies. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, I'm kind of just. I tried to take some time off this year because I just finished three films in the last 16 months, Yeah. months that was before a bit of a You know, February was basically in when I premiered. What time is death? I just finished best before death, and then my previous film. While you live, shine all that in, in like less than eighteen months, and I hadn't made a film in three years, five years before that. So I was kind of tired. So I've had taken a few months to just relax and read books and sleep. And that's it. Sounds good, uh, Paul Dwan. Thanks, for being in Thank you. Will. Three, 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 two.